Hello and welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Very enthusiastic hello to get us going on this week and um, on this week, on this week's episode is what I meant to say. But on this week, on the yeah, maybe I should develop my own slang, introduce it into the popular culture and maybe people start sounding like me. Hey, on this week of what? Nothing, just that's how the Soapy Rao and the Soapy Rao shares it. On this week, on the we. On the way, OTW. Yeah, that right, boy. Hey, how's your week going? Uh, how was your week? Because, of course, this is Friday. It's, I have to almost speak in the future. This is lovely when you put stuff um, out there a few days after you record it. You're almost speaking for the Friday version of who you are and who I will be. How crazy is that? Now, if you are someone who's trying to live in the moment, it's pretty fucked up. But... I can make predictions, but it's, it's, it's interesting. I can speak like it's already Friday or I can speak like I'm speaking into the future. Now, I think I'd rather do the f- latter, the latter, because it almost gives me a sense of power over time and the world and your life. Because uh, I'm putting stuff out there into the future. Now, what will I say that would be so powerful on Friday, or today is Friday, or is it? Well, I think, yeah, I just enjoy a couple of drinks. It'll be fun, uh, because that's, you know, there's so many people now who are taking shit so seriously, and I've spoken about some aspects of this, but do you see these guys now using these CGMs? Everywhere you go, these guys are, oh, biohacking, because my body, my numbers, my data, unless I have data sets about my body, I don't know how it is. And you have these guys, and, and, and you know, I beg your pardon if you're one of these guys. Actually, I don't, but I don't, I, I, I don't know exactly, but they look like douchebags, especially on these. And what the fuck is with these YouTube ads? And that's my chair, not my bones groaning and aching in protest to this rant about people who are biohacking. Imagine that would be if we were right. But what is with these biohackers? Yeah, my joints. That didn't come out particularly loudly. It never happens. Never, never place to your strengths these kind of things. But you see these YouTube ads for everything. It's like, and these guys who kind of promote the ads, do you have problem with your dick getting up? And they don't say it, obviously. They're, do you have problem with getting an erection? Or are you facing issues with gray hair? Or some other douchebag is like, how many books did you read? I read these 12 books last week. And then, <laughs> exactly. It sounds exactly like that. The guy with the mustache. Hi, would you like to be successful? I will tell you how to be successful. There are these 12 books. Would you like to read Ikigai? Would you like to read Sapiens? <laughs> I'm like, fuck you, man. I'm just trying to watch a hot golfer hit a beautiful drive 300 yards. And you're like, would I like to be? No, I would not like to be you. Thanks. And then, the, then they have these ball trimmers. Then you have this guy. I, I'm sure you've seen this. Who's like, pillows should be comfortable. Nobody wants. I'm like, are you trying to have an orgasm? Are you trying to get into a sexy pillow fight? Or are you just trying to take a shit on that pillow which you're promoting? It's crazy how these YouTube ads need to be done professionally. First of all, you can't have a guy going, do you have a tough time getting it up? Like, of course, if I hear that voice, I mean, my dick's fallen off. Thanks. So it's this whole thing of giving power to the person, right? Like, I think ads need to be of a certain caliber, right? And I think I've said this recently. You can't have some shit thing. And I'm sorry if I'm repeating myself. It's just that I've had too much of these ads. And then it says, YouTube premium, skip ads. Oh, no. 
change your fucking ads if you have standards google change those ads don't get that guy going do you have your dick not working for you does it have gray hair around it does it falling off is the hair around it i'm like come on man what are you guys doing give me some standards Look at me shitty ads and then early after your dick doesn't set up. Would you like to read? Get it by getting it on by Yuval Harari. <laughs> Anyhow, these guys um, come in these ads. Some of these, not literally, but there's one guy who's like gamify. There's some new thing, which is a CGM. And this guy's like, I like to get data and gamify my body. Like, what are you? I, I feel it's this new age of just kind of seeming like you know it all this new age of like you know what i know the right terminology i know how to talk about my body in things and what happens as a result is that you undermine the experts right and of course i'm not a big fan of taking lifelong medication or running to the doctor for everything i think you build your own strength and immunity and i have fasted into fasted intermittent yes you say the word rightly you get fucked by making fun of these people i have been doing intermittent fasting for a while now and i know the benefits of how it affected me and i've adapted Adapted to a place where I know what work works out when it comes to what I like to do for exercise, what I like to do for sleep, have a lot of drinks, and what time to wake up. Not too early. I like to do uh, certain things when it comes to trying to still my mind, which is very impossible. Uh, but there are a few few seconds at least you get respite from this crazy thing we call our mind and our brain. But it takes time to figure it out. When you when you when you're flushed with these ads like getting your dick up or CGMs and gamify it, it again becomes this rat race competition. Or did you get into IIT? Gamify your IIT. Like it's just so ridiculous that we take anything that is good because CGM is just a device which monitors your glucose. It tells you what's spiking your sugar levels, what is spiking not spiking your sugar levels, what is good, what is a kind of base rate uh, of your glucose. And of course, still people are like, I'm like. Have you checked your insulin levels? Like, oh, my HbA1c. Um, HbA1c? I don't know. Hb, Hb. I could be wrong there. I don't read. I only listen. So apologies if I got that wrong. But they're like, yeah, my sugar is 85. I'm like, sugar, insulin, nobody gets, not nobody. Of course, there are people out there going, Sandeep, what the fuck are you talking about? I'm a doctor and you have said something. But there is a difference. Insulin is a hormone. Sugar, yeah, glucose, sugar. So let me know in a technical term before I start stumbling on my own words and start making a fool of myself. But there are things now which you need to do, experience, feel, as opposed to just be seen saying the right things. And there are people doing that with food, especially with health, especially with exercise, with this projection of living this perfect life and being uh, seen speaking to other people who are saying these things. And then they get together and they put Insta stories and they go for these 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 events together and it, it's in all aspects of life of course but it just comes out more in this space now because it's this drive to be projecting yourself as a healthy conscious member of society and while that's a great message to try to represent and live like the Jeshetis and the likes of those people in the world, I think there's a lot of element which is missing when you're not feeling it, when you're not understanding what works for you, when you're trying to say, you know what, Andrew Huberman says that I got to wake up, get into a cold plunge, then go into a crazy workout for 30 minutes to get my heart rate spiked so my body feels like it's going to have a massive meltdown. My numbers might read that, but it, it helps with my longevity triggers. And then you go for a longer up here you go for you go for a hot plunge and or you go for a sauna which is at certain degrees then you eat like eight steaks and you eat only grass fed my point is there is someone who that works for and the numbers 
from that someone or those some people might be great and it might have those triggers for their markers or whatever it may be and it might activate their longevity genes now if you who has lived in a tropical uh, climate and whose ancestors and people have eaten grains and mainly vegetarian food and you kind of have this as your base um, baseline and your arteries are thinner because of your physiology or whatever it may be because of the region or your or, or, or the genetic whatever it may be I, I again don't want to say big words without getting looking like a fool um, but if you suddenly have never done this and you eat eight steaks and you go and you run uh, 50 miles or you lift crazy amounts of weights overnight because Andrew Huberman said it you're asking for trouble and more importantly you're not going to enjoy it there are some people who enjoy working out a crazy levels of working out and that's them and they build it up to that level but i feel there's too much of the zero to hundred do it overnight do it in a week cut short your program in three weeks you get results in two weeks you get buff in one week you lose your manhood in two weeks you regain it in three weeks you become a woman in four weeks you are just the perfect blend of shiva and shakti i don't know man it's just too much saying without feeling and more importantly too much of trying to be seen as opposed to trying to feel and do what works for you. Sorry if this sounded like a bit of a rant or a gyan kind of, or giving you too much knowledge and preaching. I don't preach. I just try to fucking make sense of this craziness around us. And for that guy out there, yes, I would love your help reading those books. And my friend, I can get it up. So I don't need your help, especially when you say it like that. Anyhow, um, the reason I kind of did that entire rant about health and what is being seen out there and the popular kind of health narrative on Instagram, on YouTube, wherever it may be, is that, of course, a lot of these guys are promoting a product. A lot of these guys are trying to tell a message because they're being endorsed by a certain brand. But it's always good to hear from the experts. And it's also good to hear from a, an expert who is specializing in a certain population and the population in our case being Indians. I've got Dr. Mohit Gupta, who's a professor and doctor of cardiology. He is, well, a very, very knowledgeable man. He's also been recognized and given a lot of accolades for his work and his research. He's collaborated with some big institutions for preventive, uh, preventive care for post heart surgery care and there's a lot of work he's done you can check out all his links and the links to his work in the description but in today's episode i wanted to ask him about the the the, the data he's seeing today like why are so many people in their 30s and 40s just collapsing why of a heart attack right when all their markers might look good they might look fit on the outside they might look good and they might look healthy but at the same time they're just dropping dead like flies not just like flies maybe flies don't drop dead flies they flutter down dead right i don't know they have wings mm. why are people so hooked onto these special diets why are people so sort of desperate to find something out there they're constantly looking for that perfect workout that perfect thing it's all the, why is there so much noise around this topic of health and heart health and why is everyone going around talking about ldl hdl cholesterol all these various things why are they becoming important more importantly why are people not able to understand it and how does someone make sense of all these things what does someone do which is sustainable for them without getting overwhelmed by all the information out there so Dr. Mohit Gupta and I break it down. I fortunately, um, you know, was able to ask some of the questions I wanted to and hopefully that reflects some of the questions you may have. And it was a uh, nice back and forth and Dr. Mohit Gupta, of course, with all his knowledge, was kind enough to share his takes 
uh, on what's going on, what needs to be done, what he does, and hopefully those things help you make sense. Well, I've said my piece, and let's pass it on to Dr. Mohit Gukta and the Soapy Rao of the Soapy Rao Show on this week. And for all of you listening, I appreciate it. Take care of yourselves. Till next week, goodbye. God bless. Cheers. Dr. Mohit Gupta, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Really appreciate you being here today. Thank you, Sandeep. Thank you for this terrific opportunity. The pleasure is all mine. <laughs> Lovely. So, Doctor, I'm going to plunge in because you know what? There is so much to cover and you have so many insights, but more than insights, you have so many facts on what's going on around us in the world today and more importantly, specifically in India. So, Firstly, I'm sure there are a lot of people post-lockdown, post-COVID, post-vaccine who are up in arms, who are also very confused and there's a lot of speculation because we we are hearing, and this may be a quote-unquote a popular kind of uh, story projected by the media it, and as a result, there's a lot of skeptical conversation around it. But from your experience as a Cardio, uh, cardiologist, cardio surgeon, and a person, an expert in this field. Why are we seeing, or are we seeing, a lot of heart attacks or heart-related deaths in a younger population today? Uh, so, truly speaking, uh, COVID is just one of the reasons. Actually, you see, uh, the last two decades have actually been an era of young heart attacks. And let me tell you that uh, a decade earlier, or a couple of decades earlier. Approximately five to seven percent of my patients whom I'm operating would fall in a younger category. What is young? Actually, let me make it very clear that we define young as less than fifty years, mm. respective of male and female, and very young as less than thirty-five years. Right. And you would be surprised that out of every hundred cases that I'm operating now, almost twenty to thirty-five percent of the cases are falling within young category. Mm-hmm. More so in India, it's globally. It's like a pandemic, not an epidemic. It's pandemic, right. and more so in India. So, in particularly Asians and Indians, the heart attack and the disease is occurring a decade earlier. It's more severe, and it has graver consequences. So, these three reasons are really alarming. We are completely a different substrate. So, definitely, there is a reason to be really concerned. Post COVID, yes, COVID. Being uh, one of the causative factors of causing thrombosis or what we say as coagulation or clotting, you know, initially mm-hmm. there were reasons to believe that, yes, uh, COVID is leading to increased heart attacks and there were some. But truly speaking, if I am to say that any significant percentage increase uh, has happened in heart attacks, no. It's been there. It's again on a logarithmic increase. COVID could be just one of the very small reasons. So was the vaccine in any way responsible? Because you hear of these, I, I could, I might be messing up this term, but my- myocarditis, <laughs> etc. Um, you are touching a very, very sensitive area. Let me tell you, let yeah. me unravel something very interesting. Mm. We recently carried out a research in all the heart attack patients that uh, presented to our center. They were more than 1700 patients Mm. all vaccinated we took all the vaccinated patients we have sent this particular paper for publication you would be surprised that vaccination in no way contributed to increased heart attacks 
This is just about to get published. So you are probably one of the first persons who is hearing this. And oh, second, lovely. second, that not only that vaccine was not increasing the heart attacks, it was very, very delightful, wonderful that vaccine was actually preventing the in-hospital death due to heart attack. So those patients, those people who were having vaccines were actually more having greater chances of having a longer survival and dying less because of a heart attack. And we specifically referred to uh, similar findings were repeated from the US study also. And we're specifically referring to the COVID vaccine and at this point yeah. in time, right? Okay. Now, uh, the thing is, it's important to hear this, right? Because there are so many speculation, uh, so many kind of uh, conversations around it from people who have no clue because it's it's, it's either hearsay or like or someone I know their friend's brother or yeah. and, you know and, and it's good to hear this because you know living in a big city uh, especially in India there is now the the age of information where it's so easy to do a WhatsApp forward or put up a post on social media and next thing you know a person who has absolutely no idea or medical expertise but has a a very compelling argument because they just have you know, an ability to sort of put forth that argument can 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 go and spread these 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 these. I don't know if it's rumors or if it's wrong information. But let's move on to something I've heard in the past, right? That South Asian men, specifically Indian men, Bangladeshi men, Pakistani men, uh, have always been more prone to cardiovascular disease compared to other populations, uh, other men in other populations. But over the past, say, you said twenty years. We have also seen a lot more exposure when it comes to education uh, around exercise, around food, around diet, around lifestyle, because a lot of people have come out from this traditional way of thinking that, you know what, I'm going to sit, I'm going to eat, I'm going to sleep, I'm going to work, I'm going to wake up and repeat the same. We see a lot more gyms, health health spas, we see a lot more training programs, we see a lot of outdoor activities, we see a lot of jogging clubs, we see a lot of these kind of uh, activity-based organizations and communities being formed. But if that's the case, and if education on cardiovascular health is up, if awareness is up, if activity is up, if there are more options and available, available foods to people, why is it still that these numbers are on the rise? If I'm to answer your question in one line, I would say that we are very knowledgeable, but we are not wise. That's the reason, actually. <laughs> nice. We have wealth of information. Everybody's so well informed. Everybody's so well, you know, having every uh, information what they need about the diet, about the exercise and about the rest, you know. Yeah. But are we wise enough to know how to use it, when to use it, and what is the right way to actually implement in our life? And I'll make a, this point very clear. You know, our life is... Uh, Actually, there are three basic pillars. One is the diet. The second one is the exercise. And third one is having adequate rest. Mm -hmm. So uh, our dietary patterns have significantly evolved and changed over the last couple of decades. Mm -hmm. Our dietary patterns have significantly diversified, you know. Mm -hmm. And in this, uh, uh, when everything is available in this world, you know, we are not choosing the right forms of diet, right amounts of diet. And that is why obesity metabolic syndromes are on a significant rise. Mm. You would be surprised that in the Indian population, in South Asian population, obesity and metabolic syndrome is catastrophically increasing. Why? Because of poor dietary habits, about the wrong consumption of diet, wrong eating patterns. You might be eating a great diet, but the patterns of eating are not good. 
And second thingly, secondly, is that we are not following the Kiko principle. The Kiko principle simple is the calories in should always be less than the calories out. No amount of exercise will ever be able to compensate a bad diet. You may be running throughout the day, but if you're not doing a good, having a good diet, that is what is going to happen. And um, Sundeep, I will share my own example. I was 96 kgs when I came from US, you know, mm-hmm. and the major reason was not that I was not walking or doing something, but my dietary patterns were haywire. I was eating anything and everything at wrong time, having heavy, heavy meals in the night, oils, you know, all these things, trans fats, it was really catastrophic. But changing my diet to a more heart-healthy diet, including legumes, green vegetables, which we'll talk about, mm. it really transformed the way I appeared. And second, exercise. Exercise, you know, everybody is hitting the gym. Everybody is going to different kind of, you know, trainers and everything. Exercise is not an event. Remember this. This is very important for yeah. us to understand. You know, one of us will think that, oh, come on, I'm going to hit the gym today. Exercise one, one and a half hours like the other person has been doing and I'm going to lose a huge amount of it. No, it's not going to end up like that. And sometimes it can be a disaster. Exercise is a process. Lifestyle is a process and we have to put ourselves in process over a period of time to evolve. So it's about gradually building your capacity while maintaining consistency. You understand that? (laughs) That is very important. You're consistent. Yeah. No, let me just play devil's advocate here because I'm sure there are people listening right now like, no, but you know what? I want the 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 carnivore diet and I want to get into a um, high intensity interval intermittent or high I, it's called high intensity interval training workout where I want to just eat a lot of steak and protein and I want to burn that out with doing crazy CrossFit kind of exercises and i've read on every blog in from some western trainers or from fitness gurus in the west or from podcasts about health uh, in the in the west that this is the way to burn and maintain and um, maintain musculature or as i get older to build my frame and to keep that strong so why should i not do that and um is, and if why, you are, mm-hmm, if you are mm-hmm. not concerned about the three times higher fold of all cause mortality and cardiovascular death, one can do endurance exercises. <laughs> but if one is really concerned about his, can you sorry? Can you and, take take me through that? I, I, uh, okay. Uh, uh, what I endu- want to say is that you yeah. know, if one is really not concerned about higher chances or one's higher risk of death after doing endurance exercises, then one can definitely continue. Recent and you mean one has, as in, in, and this is more specific to the to an Indian man or woman, or is no, this... no? It's all. It's a generalized study. It's a general study. Anybody who's putting themselves into high endurance exercises have definitive higher fold of dying. You know, have higher chances of all cause mortality, and that's so we must understand that gradually building up your capacity, working as a team. Training your body consistently is what is more important rather than putting extreme pressure on your body. Because after a particular level, the graph and the ability of the body to modify reaches a ceiling. And after that, whatever level of exercises you are doing, it may or may not get benefit, but it starts producing harmful effects on your body. So, so ha- definitely yeah. these were the propagandas, these were the Western literatures that people are going to have a huge amount of proteins, of whey proteins, animal proteins, and then you'll hit the gym, do a lot of, lot of cardio, a lot of, you know, uh, the weights and something, and you will try to modify yourself. No, today science is going reverse. Science has clearly shown 
that those people who are maintaining consistent moderate intensity exercises with intermittent high intensity they do much and far better as compared to pure endurance exercises so these programs develop like p90x insanity high uh, hiit crossfit um if you if you are able to develop a consistent uh yes. pattern at the same time a good threshold where you can do this from a young age then you might have a chance but still this is considered as high endurance training and it's not recommended at large uh inten- at high intensities for a long period of time is is what you're saying absolutely i don't want to discourage people who are doing it you can go ahead but not in one day gradually build up your capacity mm-hmm. balance it with a good healthy diet vegetarian diet or whatever diet you feel it should be a diet which is balanced in carbohydrates high in proteins you know it is very very important so that your body musculature is able to maintain its own strength so it's all about balance but for a larger group of population almost 90 to 95% of a world global population i would recommend a more moderate and a balanced approach towards exercises that is very 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 important if you want to have a good and a healthy life so you would say someone who's working a regular uh, shift at work who has like say an 8 to 5 or 9 to 5 how many hours they're pretty sedentary when it comes to they're traveling to work they're sitting at a computer or something like that uh, you would say don't do that and come back and hit 2 hours at the gym with crazy strength training weight training or uh, cardio or one of these intense programs but you're better off waking up in the morning and doing more um low to moderate intensity like what like like moderate, a risk yeah. walk or a, even a fast jog or something to sort of that suits you and you're able to do without too much um, yes. exertion or too much um you know too, too much strain on your on your body right perfect so how would i would how would i take it as suppose i have to take 10 rounds of 100 meters uh, with moderate uh, intensity walking something like you know a brisk walk in which i'm not able to talk comfortably on phone i would mix it with two rounds of running or high intensity running so this is how you are balancing moderate with high intensity and that is very very important and second tip which i would like to give to all of our youngsters and on those people who are really professionals that sitting is in your smoking so what is the suggestion you know if you are not having a really focused work what you can do is you can have your desk or a laptop raised at a higher level instead of sitting on a chair sometimes most of us what they do is we are now standing even while seeing the patients we are standing we are talking to them while doing some particular work while reading some particular thing you can just stand and when you are standing you are actually burning your calories your core is getting automatically activated to maintain that stability and that adds to your burning of calories and maintaining your own inner strength so you have to find ways not taking lifts taking uh, not taking elevators taking stairs all these small things are going to give you lots and lots of benefit So the thing is now there is such a thing we discussed right there's such a there's such an explosion when it comes to health and fitness and everyone giving tips and everyone saying put on a Fitbit 15000 steps every day and uh-huh. count your calories count your reps whatever so you are coming as a professional medical expert who has dealt with the final problem which is when a person goes through cardiovascular failure a heart attack or things like that so you're actually helping people and save and save and trying to save their lives when all these other things don't fa- uh, don't, don't work when it comes to lifestyle has and things so they they pushed their limits and finally you're trying to intervene but uh, you can say and i can 
pass on the message saying it's about balanced lifestyle, right? Now someone goes to the gym and they've paid for, up for a three-month subscription. Now there's no doctor like you telling them what to do, but there are trainers. Some of them, of course, are fantastic who have, you know, certification and they actually have a degree in whatever in sports medicine or in related fields, which give them the knowledge and as a result, the discretion to help these people uh, and put them onto something balanced. But I'm going to go out on Limbia and say majority of them aren't. And they're going to just put uh, them on in a program which the marketing team is saying, put them on because that way we get more clients, we get more bonus. So how does someone, you've mentioned it, of course, you just mentioned it in a few words that, you know, this is what you got to do. But say I've never been to the gym. I, I've, I've just been sitting and suddenly I get a wake up call because uh, you see like your top five uh, favorite celebrities who have 50 collapsing of heart attack and you're, you're panicking, you're freaking out and everyone around you is like, oh my God, you know, diet, lifestyle, exercise. And that's all being thing you're having people coming at work and talking to you going, you know what, sitting is smoking, this is going to kill you. And next thing you know, you're in this sort of this, this, this echo chamber where everything and every, everywhere you look, it's kind of scaring you about your mortality. So how would you guide someone like that? And what would you let tell them to kind of look for what are the resources that can help them help them get started on the right path? Two very important things. One, that cardio exercises, it consists of two parts. You know, one is isometric and one is isotonic exercises. Mm-hmm. One must understand that out of seven days in a week, five to six days of cardio is a must. So you must tell your trainer, irrespective of his educational status, most of you would not even inquire about the degrees that, yes, this is what my target is. I'm I'm willing to go slow. I'm not going to go very fast because I'm not really able to see what is the underlying health of my heart. And that particular four to five days of cardio has to be balanced with two to three days of isometric exercises that is weight training. That is very important. Mm-hmm. So both isometric and isotonic exercises have to be balanced. Remember, it's not important for you to pick up 10 or 20 cages on day one. Make and, and make your mind understand that this is a slow process. Tell your trainer that I would like to do four to five days of cardio and I would, to, I would like to mix it with three to four days of weight training to tone in my muscles. Mm-hmm. Remember, age does not matter. Even if you are 70 years, 80 years, weight training is a must. Mm-hmm. And even if you are 20 to 30 years, Weight training is a must. It decreases your diabetes. It increases insulin secretion. It helps you de- uh, decreasing your muscle loss, and re- which is getting actually replaced by fat. So must do gentle weight training under supervision with your uh, trainer, biceps, triceps, whatever you want, upper abs, lower abs, all these trainings are a must. But remember, go slow and build up your capacity every day. Feeling competitive that other person is doing 20 reps or 30 reps of the same exercises, I should not be jumping to do the same one day. I'm happy with doing two or three repetitions of five times each that is going to help me. That training has to be fed in mind. And Sandeep, you would be surprised. This is the reason that majority and many of our young people are losing their life in gyms because of the sense of comparison. That compulsion to achieve that particular target at a faster level, much more than what their capacity is without actually knowing what is the underlying status of our heart. That mm. is why, again and again, I re-insist, reinforce, tell everybody who is listening, go slow. Understand you are in a process. And remember, you will be absolutely safe. <laughs> nice. And doctor, when it comes to heart health, right, I want to talk about the f- aspect of diet and food. But 
before that, there are certain parameters uh, which people are recommended to test when it comes to heart health, right? Typically, you yeah. do a lipid profile and there are a lot of offers where it's it almost sounds like you're buying vegetables, right? You buy three tests, you get one free. It's, it's every other lab is sending out SMSs, right? And it's sometimes hilarious. It's like, get a whole body checkup for less than 100 rupees. I'm like, what are you testing, right? <laughs> so um, there are obviously these huge laboratories which are testing the diagnostic labs, which do all these kind of tests. But is the traditional uh, ECG or a t- treadmill test after a yes. certain age and then over the course of time doing a repeated test of your LDL, HDL and your triglycerides a good enough indicator of heart health or, or has the science changed and do we have more in-depth and more indicative tests that people can start looking at and not just get freaked out when they have high triglycerides and high <laughs> HD, high low HDL, high LDL? So uh, I'll put the things in right perspective in a very simple way. Now, listen to this. Very simply try to understand. Above the age of 20 to 25 years, my recommendation and strong recommendation is that get your numbers checked at least once in a year. Now, what are those numbers that one should be aware of? Mm -hmm. The first number is your height, weight, and a body mass index. Mm -hmm. Height, weight, and body mass index will classify you into an obese person, a overweight person and a normal weight person. That mm-hmm. is very important. You see, its value is above 24.5, then above 25. All these values one should be aware of that what is your category? Am I overweight? Am I obese? Or I am a normal weight? So yeah. This will help you maintain your weight. The first number. The second number one should be aware of is blood pressure. Very, very important. Yeah. Sometimes you would be surprised every one in five individual is unaware of the hypertension in India. That is the reason. One should always get your pressure checked, whether it is primary hypertension running in the families or whether it is secondary hypertension due to a treatable cause. If your blood pressure is high, don't panic, don't worry. Take a repeat reading in front of a doctor and then you will be able to classify yourself whether you need a treatment or whether you need a medical management or you just need a lifestyle modification. So blood pressure is the second number that we need to be aware of. The third number that one should and must check is your blood sugar. A -hmm. fasting blood sugar is a very powerful indicator of your diabetes status along with the glycosylated hemoglobin, which is a three-month sugar. You can control your fasting blood sugar by fasting one day, but glycosylated hemoglobin, HbA1c, you all must be aware of, that gives you an average state of diabetes over three months and will make you understand whether you are really a diabetic or a pre-diabetic or not. Mm -hmm. The fourth number, that one must be aware of is your cholesterol levels. Now, cholesterol levels, the simple parameters that today we are concerned are, number one is low density cholesterol, what we call as a LDL cholesterol. Mm. On a layman's language, it's a bad cholesterol. If your bad cholesterol is high, it's more than 130, or if more than 160, it's alarming. We need to go and consult the doctor. It's a very powerful risk factor for contribution to heart diseases. Mm. And those patients who are already cardiac patients, this level must and must should be below 100. Mm. Sometimes this is running in genes in families. So Mm. getting your LDL cholesterol checked is very, very important. 
Yeah. Another very important marker in Indians who have truncal obesity or what we call as like a gajanand obesity. <laughs> this is a triglyceride, triglyceride, mm-hmm. hypertriglyceridemia, which is of two types. One of them is really harmful for health. So these numbers also have to be kept in control. And the third parameter, which is very important, is the non-HDL cholesterol. Any value above 130 is bad and below 130 needs to be treated. Mm-hmm. the newer markers why indians particularly are having higher risk factors for heart attacks now we are measuring lipoprotein little a that is another newer risk marker or factor a type mm-hmm. of cholesterol which is harmful which is high very resistant to treat but it is high then it needs particular focus therapy so these numbers have to be checked at least once in a year or at least once in two years to keep your numbers absolutely under control this is another very important number that one must measure so these are basic parameters which one must keep in control these are the numbers get them checked not from a lab which is near your home but a lab which is accredited or certified by the national bodies very important mm-hmm. it's not that you give a sample and the sample will be transported almost 100 kilometers to a very standard lab no try to choose a lab which is near where you can give a sample directly so that they are able to process the sample in time and that lab should be accredited that is very important mm-hmm. all the samples preferably given after 8 to 10 hours of fasting your numbers would be very accurate in determining in giving the right value so these are the simple then many people are propagating homocysteine crps all these markers i would not recommend that i would mm-hmm. not absolutely recommend that focus on these simple parameters and sandeep mm-hmm. also very important thing is measure your basic risk factor profile basic risk factor profile as is diabetes family history hypertension there is is there is any family history of heart attacks or not very very important risk factor if there is a family history of heart attack are there any allied inflammatory disorders like rheumatoid arthritis psoriasis or other diseases that is also adding to your risk that is very important mm. and then you know you can go for a simple ecg as a baseline parameter not everybody mm. should be going but once in your life when you are starting have a baseline ecg it will be normal what is the advantage advantage is that this will act as a reference in case you have any event in near future as a comparison whether there are any fresh changes in ecg or not so this will add as a reference parameter otherwise advanced tests like tmt like echo routine in all the patients they are not indicated they are done generally symptom guided or once you are going or qualifying for a particular job so you do these simple things the simple uh, parameters get them checked and most of the time you will be uh, you will be able to take care of your numbers and last message is be alert anything that develops that you are noticing that an activity which you are able to do earlier comfortably but you are uncomfortable like doxob i was able to climb two flights of stairs but now i have to stop once in between i was able to walk 200 meters but i feel a little breathless that is alarming mm. get yourself investigated yeah. immediately pre and post covid it doesn't matter that's the signal that you need an investigation advanced investigations like a treadmill test like a ct coronary angiography or like a you know radionuclide testing whatever your doctor thinks yeah. is the best one <laughs> just to give you an overview now oh, that's that's i think really important for people to get a sense of right without panicking running on google and saying hey google i'm feeling breathless and it says <laughs> your head's falling off you know something <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh can you talk about two things because when we first spoke off uh, offline we were we were talking about this 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 is recording and you mentioned the idea of um 
of course, we mentioned lifestyle, but you talk, talked about stress. So in, in context of that, could you talk about how important it is to be aware of inflammation and insulin? Yeah, stress, you know, very important. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the, this all started with one of the landmark studies published in Lancet called the Interheart Study. It was revealing, Sandeep, and I'll tell you what happened was, even I was taken aback. In the sub-study and the analysis that they carried out, you would be surprised that out of all the risk factors that they analyzed, psychosocial stress and anger had the fourth highest attributable risk in causation or occurrence of heart attacks. Hmm. Now, what is this, you know? Stress, people think, is an integral part of your life. Now, I think that something that is not natural, how can that be an integral part of our life? Mm. This cannot be. This is only that, you know, people say I'm managing my stress. I say, no, I don't manage my stress. I manage my own mind because stress is not innate to me. That is not me. Why should I manage stress? Today, we have inculcated stress in three forms. My general stress, my work stress, and my family stress. There are various parameters for this. In the study that we conducted in our heart attack patients recently, more than 1,400 patients, 93% of them had severe to moderate stress. Now, this is revealing. This is very, very powerful. This was contributing to occurrence of higher events. Now, how and why does it become important? Let me put the things in right perspective. In one of the landmark papers that we published in one of the journals, and we also presented in European uh, Congress, what we did was, uh, we started analyzing young people. I, I was uh, operating young people and one of the young persons who came to me without any risk factors, almost like a dead body, you know, we resuscitated him. And when we were able to save his life, we interrogated, we talked to his family and came to know that he was almost on the verge of a divorce. And his mm-hmm. wife and they were not in talking terms. And when I talked to them, I requested his wife that, come on, you know, you guys really need to spend some time with each other. And just do one favor that you are parting one month later. Why don't you hold his hand and come to my OPD for only four weeks? And she said, okay, sir, because you're saying I'll do this thing. And you would be surprised then when they started giving time to each other. One chartered accountant, one IT professional, they started understanding each other, accepting each other. And four months down the lane, even four years down the lane, they are still coming. They took their divorce papers back. And that is the time I knew that what, as doctors, we are doing is we are not doing a job better than what a washerman is doing. You talked about infrastructure. You talk about five-star hospitals. You talk about everything healthcare systems which have evolved globally like magic. But remember, just like a washerman who is mopping the floor, similarly, we doctors and cardiologists, we are doing the same job. Nobody is focusing on switch the tap off. If you turn the tap off, the floor will stop getting dirty. That is what you need. And that is what we did in our study, that we took a group of young heart attack patients and without any risk factors, no diabetes, hypertension, no other risk factors, family history or lipids, which were normal, you know, and we measured their stress. And then we also measured their genetic age, what we call it as a biologic age. Like you will say, Mohit, you are 50 years old. That's perfect. But what is my biologic age? That is the age of my genes, which we measure by the telomere length. The results were eye-opening. Sandeep, you would be surprised to hear that these children whom I operated were chronologically aged between 18 to 35 years. Mm -hmm. But their biologic age was equal to a 60 to 95-year-old gentleman. Their genes were completely destroyed. Their telomere length was completely destroyed. And hence, 
telomere length which was integrating which was protecting the chromosome this chromosome was no longer protected and the gene started expressing very fast mm. the disease is like heart attacks like illnesses like early aging you see many young people with their white hair mm. many young people looking much aged why because their biologic age is increasing gradually so when we further analyzed we would be surprised that the single most powerful factor in predicting this particular biological age high was psychosocial stress mm. i was amazed and when we further analyze the psychosocial stress is responsible for destroying our telomeres enzyme which maintains the telomere length and hence those people who have lack of love lack of happiness lack of gratitude continuous sense of pressure of performance having a seven digit salary driving a mercedes but happiness index negative happiness index destroyed they are the people who are going to have a very high biological age and they are the people who are going to suffer from diseases on the contrary those people who had love in their life who have gratitude who have acceptance who enjoy their life who live their life of purpose they are the people whose telomerase enzyme was high and telomere length was integrated this is where our science has reached it's not just about putting implants it's not just about treating the complex cases it's about being a healer when we heal i am not only targeting the body i am also targeting the mind of the person i am also targeting the psyche of the person and that is what is needed today because of a younger population of a younger people and not only young irrespective of a uh, you know of our age we all are today driven by our materialistic wealth by a never ending sense of more and more getting more and more and more is never going to end the only thing that i need to learn in my life is that i have enough and the moment i know that i have achieved that i am able to manage so this is where now we are working now we are offering a holistic lifestyle to our cardiac patients we not just operate them but we give them diet exercise and rest both for the body as well as for the mind lifestyle is not just this life it's about the life here the our mind and psyche and taking care of them is equally important as a holistic doctor ola as a interventionist <laughs> so this is just an overview where our science is working now now we have developed tools we are using artificial intelligence in our patients and by tools like meditation by yoga we are trying to reverse the telomere length we are seeing their happiness index is increasing their depression index is going down even in the doctors and the healthcare workers we are carrying out studies those who have worked in the covid times and these therapies are working miracles they are working great so this is where our science is going to which is so encouraging to hear because otherwise you know typically a doctor would say hey you know what it's okay you're going through stress at work take some statins everything will come down yeah. continue working and <laughs> or a sleeping pill or a sleeping pill or yeah. so many things to reduce your cortisol or yeah. to get on insulin it's fine you take some shots you'll be fine but the idea don't ever doubt that it's your work or something because this kind of science the fact that this kind of science is presenting has to translate to education where the children realize that what traditionally people told them will make them happy is actually killing them which is that that crazy job where the ceo jet setting across the world lack of sleep you're eating bad food you're staying out of hotels you're working out excessively because you think in 30 minutes i don't have time for anything else let me do high intensity exercise let me um, let me constantly compete all these things which i at least i thought that was the way that was the way to be successful it's clearly showing that that's lethal 
Sandeep, you would be surprised, you know. I often uh, wonder I, when I'm interacting with young groups and uh, various institutes of repute like IMIT, I talk to people, they say we have created most successful people. I often say that, you know, it's not about successful people. Today, we are creating intellectual fools. We need to make, we need to have a generation that is empowered. I would be happy if we create more happy people, those people who are happy, those people who are stable, they are bound to be successful in their life. It's impossible that happy people cannot be successful. But successful people, whether they'll be happy or not, that's a big question mark. <laughs> so we need to inculcate these things right from our school education now. First, parents have to accept this thing, that this is the need. And happiness is not a destination. You know, Sandeep, may I ask you, we all travel, isn't it? Mm. You will always say, have a very pleasant what? Sandeep, journey, you would yeah. say, have yeah. a very pleasant journey. We never say, have a very pleasant destination. Mm. Life is all about journey. We never yeah. say, have a very pleasant destination. So, similarly, our happiness is not at the destination. It's all along the journey. Create it right here and right now in everything that you are doing magic is going to happen. You know, doctor, to add to what you just said, I, I remember talking to someone and I said, you know, if, if, if you're so unhappy with what you're doing at work, why don't you just resign and find something that you enjoy? And, um, and, and he said, yeah, it's really affecting my health. And I said, why don't you make that change today? He's like, no, no, I need to save up. I need to have enough in the bank. So in a couple of years, I will then quit and then I will get healthy and then I will relax. I'm like... <laughs> It's exactly what you just said. These certain conditions have to be met for me to be happy, healthy, and relaxed. Why? This is very, very surprising. Because we have actually formed our mindset. Today, we are chasing happiness. You know, this is what happened with me. I'll do an, I did my MBBS. I thought, oh, this is perfect. Now I'm a doctor. Everything is perfect. Next day, I was chasing my MD degree. Yeah. The moment I was MD, I was chasing my cardiology degree. The moment I was a cardiologist, I was chasing my faculty position. Every day I was setting new targets. I knew that if I want to create happiness, the time is right here and now. Let me enjoy. Let me be in this present moment and live this moment to the fullest to create happiness. Stability inside is going to reflect outside, you know. And I, I always strongly believe that, you know, if you want to see your true reflection in a water, Water needs two things. Water needs to be clear and also water needs to be stable. Only in a stable and a clear water, you are able to see a reflection. Similarly, if you want to see the reflection of your own state of mind, your mind needs to be clear and stable. Today, in the present generation, neither is our mind clear nor it is stable. And that is why everybody talks about stability, talks about happiness and joy. Nobody is able to see or picturize their own truer inner self in the right way and the right perspective. <laughs> now, this is so good to hear from a doctor because typically, as you said, right, you teach, you, you treat them, you, a doctor treats a patient. They don't treat, they treat a case. They don't treat the whole human being. They don't look at the underlying situation. They don't look at what's happening at home. They don't look at the mental state. They don't look at the, 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 the social conditioning of that person. And this is so encouraging. And I hope this is the, the, the way that all medical experts are approaching um, health going forward because clearly there was a role that the old way played and clearly that that time is gone and we need to adapt and we need to yeah. um, change from science to literacy to education the messaging because it's not just one field that can do this alone. It, it, it's from a young age where people 
along with doctors, along with healthcare experts, along with mental health experts, along with education education experts, combine in a combined way have to do this because it's it's on a grassroots level the message that a person grows up with saying this is what's more important than pursuit of material happiness, pursuit of overcoming obstacles and putting someone else down for my own benefit. And all those things are not done just by a doctor, clearly. So absolutely. It's very important for us to come and have a collective responsibility. And mm. today, uh, Times Magazine, it published a very beautiful article with the science of epigenetics. It has shown that these are newer tools like meditation, like yoga. These are the therapies that are going to create a very powerful impact on your own genes and your body. In fact, Dr. Robert Waldinger is a famous uh, scientist uh, from America, from Harvard. What he did was one of the famous studies called Grant and Gluick study. And all youngsters, and we all should be aware of this. And you know what he did? He followed up around about 600 men from Massachusetts, Boston for over 75 years. And uh, he's found that the single most important factor that was leading or that was predictive of a successful and a happy life was having good relations. Very, very important. Good relations, not just with your own self, but with your family, with your friends. And that can come only by your own inner stability, by appreciating each other, by accepting each other, and by understanding each other. That's the crux. That's the essence. This world of technology, what I often say is a high-tech world. Now, this world is back to what we know as a high-touch world. We need touch and compassion in our lives. Technology has driven us crazy. It's our own creation. Today, we are no longer the master. Technology is controlling us. But when we talk about touch and compassion, it takes care of everything. It heals. It nurtures. It rejuvenates. It relaxes. It completely reinvents our life. We need to touch stuff that doesn't give us a haptic feedback. We need real <laughs> feedback from a human being. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well said, doctor. Uh, I want to move on to uh, this um, the, the couple of things which before we wind up is this idea of food, uh, food and rest, which also go into the idea of lifestyle. So when it comes to food, there are two things you mentioned, right? This constantly need to get calories into your body, uh, five meals a day, constantly snacking between my main meals. But before we talk about the frequency of eating, I want to ask you about two things, uh, two elements in food, which have both been celebrated and demonized in their own right. So maybe if before we get to food uh, intake, could you talk about the uh, these two things, sugar and salt. Oh, perfect. You know, so uh, I'm not against any one of them. First, I'll talk about salt. If you are in hypertensive and if you're not in hypertensive, as a doctor, I ne never recommend restricting salt. Extra salt that should be avoided should be avoided in these four or five forms that I'm going to narrate now. Salt is exceptionally high in something what we called as the sauces, tin juices, tin soups, salad, salad dressings. And in India, particularly what we use as pickles, mm. as papas, and as achars and all these things, chutneya, all these things have extra salt. Mm. We all have a habit of consuming or pouring and sprinkling salt over our fruits and vegetables. You let go of all these things and have a normal diet because a diet without a salt is not good. Mm. So my message even to a hypertensive patient is restrict and use moderate amount of salt. So less than two grams per day is allowed to you. Mm. Second, which type of salt? 
people have advocated different types of salts some have even marketed different kind of salts let me tell you till date there are no evidence based proper trials that have been conducted all forms of salts have been shown to be equally beneficial and if consumed in more than what is recommended quantities they are very very harmful mm. so moderation is the key use a diet which is having a normal salt bina namak ka khana diet without a salt you know nobody would actually appreciate so yeah. take it take it from a curry all this have a normal salt but avoid these things which have extra salt which are basically in the form of processed food grosses yeah this is so all these things you need to be avoided tin juices i it's almost two decades i have not consumed a tin juice at all irrespective of their quality of marketing irrespective of their guarantees that they give i don't and by tin juice you mean like the likes of coca cola pepsi that kind of uh, uh, yeah. they are coming into the beverages which i am going to come in this article right let's talk about sugar yeah 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 that's so a sugar so what i am going to uh, uh, talk about is the tin food juices that come i don't Got consume it. them even tinned fruits that are preserved fruits i don't recommend because by default the preservatives that they are using they have some level of salt okay so what about sugars sugars have to be consumed in moderation as moderately as possible i have a sweet tooth i love eating sugar in different forms that is perfect chocolates or something like that that is perfect but consumption of aerated beverages consumption of sweetened and artificially sweetened beverages if one is consuming them regularly remember 20% increase in diabetes 20% increase in diabetes if we are regularly consuming these beverages and sweets if it is consume if it is constituting more than 15 to 25% of your caloric value remember 15 to 20% increase in all cause death so my message is serious and significant moderation in consumption of sweets very very important mm-hmm. use them if if you know if you love sugar if you love uh, sweets you know take them in half a portion <laughs> if you still uh, want to have them make them in four proportions have small small quantities so that you can have it more often but consuming large amounts is going to be harmful and let me also try to make you understand what the psychology of a typical person a diabetic or a non diabetic person is <clears throat> what will happen is one day i will decide i'm not going to have any sweet four days i will stop <clears throat> four days i will not consume any sweet fifth day i will go quietly into the kitchen i'll pick up a big bite and i will check whether nobody is looking nobody is looking i will pour that particular or put that sweet in my mouth i will have another one in my hand in my left hand i will another take another one i will hide it like this and i will do a big eating that's the problem with most of us mm. take yourself ask yourself it happens with everyone oh, yeah. it happens with me it happens with you everyone these are the facts of life that is why what i suggest is moderate yeah <laughs> as much moderation as possible do it that is going to do lot of good to you so sugar consumption should be in as moderation as possible third very very important thing is trans fats we must 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 understand this trans fat business this is very important sandeep you must really listen to this this is mind blowing i am not against these chains now what happens is in today's world everybody wants everything instantaneously Yeah I and Sandeep are sitting and planning a wonderful meal and Sandeep says Dr Mohit would you like to have a samosa I said oh I love samosa he said don't worry I'll get you a samosa in 20 minutes I said 20 minutes you'll get me a samosa he says he calls a fast food chain 
and he says, I want two samosas back for me. And the samosas come and they're very, very tasty. We all enjoy. But how all this is working, I'll tell you. The moment Sandeep or I call a chain, not to name a particular chain, what will happen is in an already boiling oil, already a boiling oil, a half-cooked samosa or a half-cooked that particular potato uh, base that will be put into that oil and this will get prepared in two to three minutes. It will be taken out two to three minutes to cool off. It will be packed and served to us. But in an already boiling oil, when a half-cooked samosa is put or some similar kind of thing is put, it liberates or it releases something which is called as trans fats, which are very, 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 very toxic and poisonous for your arteries. It causes acute blockages and can be really disastrous. These are called trans fats. That mm. is why when you need to have or consume something which is oily, no problem. Enjoy whatever you want to have. Use a fresh oil and fry it in one go. Remember yeah. these two things. Use a fresh oil and fry it in one go. When you are... <laughs> When you are doing this, what happens is you decrease the release of trans fats and decrease the risk of heart attacks and blockages. This is very mm. important. So these are simple things which we are not aware of. Mm. Not against something, but regular consumption of these things is really, really harmful. Sandeep. Right. No, these are such daily things that we never really give a second thought to. But let's get to this thing, doctor, because you mentioned samosas and snacking. Um, how much should someone eat? Because there are so many different dietary programs. There's so many different people telling you, you know, yeah. wake up, breakfast is the biggest meal, the best meal of the day. Don't go hungry. You mustn't eat before you sleep. You must eat five meals a day, three healthy, two snacks. So what is, I wouldn't say the ideal amount. My of mantra. <laughs> yeah. But what is, what would you recommend? What is a, what is, how much is enough? Let's, let's maybe talk about that. Uh, I have explored various kinds of diets. It could be a keto diet. It could be intermittent fasting. It could be low carbohydrate, high fat diet, various, various kinds of diets and different patterns. I've understood middle path is the best. Mm. I've never followed a particular diet. I would love to snack and eat everything, but keep it in moderation. I'll give you four principles that if you follow, you eat whatever you want, it will be perfect and it will be super fine. The first principle is your diet pattern should be always like a pyramid, irrespective of the kind of diet you are following. Mm -hmm. How does it work? You get up in the morning, your breakfast should always be a good and a sumptuous breakfast. It should consume, it should include good amount of food ball or a salad ball. It should include legumes, it should include beans. It could be oats, it could be basin, it could be gram flour, it could be a millet, it could be anything, a mix and match of everything. Every day you can keep on rotating, but fill your stomach, not full, but significant and a good diet that should be there in the breakfast. Your afternoon diet at around about 12 and 12 or 1, you can snack on a biscuit or I prefer to have like something like nuts, like badam or almonds or like accrued walnuts. I love them. And this increases my metabolism, keeps my body going. And before my lunch or along with my lunch, I will always have a salad bowl. Always mm -hmm. have a salad bowl. It's wonderful because it gives you a feeling of satiety. It gives you a good gush of micronutrients and then you can snack on, you can have a good chapati or whatever kind of green vegetables or a dal or whatever you love. It can always be rotated. In the evening, you can again snack on a food bowl or something like that. But remember, 
your dinner should always be light mm. it should always be light very very light as light as possible it could be a dalia it could be porridge it could be some mix of vegetables and often on you can even have a chapati you can even have a you know a fermented food whatever you want that is number one principle so it should always be like a dietary pattern it should be like a pyramid this is principle number one the second principle consumption of miner- meals dinner after 9 pm is equal to consuming a poison i'm making a hard statement this is very very important so meal consumption dinner consumption should preferably be before 9 pm people mm. say if i'm working late night is that perfect if you are forced to eat after 9 or later than that also replace your diet with very light soups or preferably with light fruits like papaya very simple which are easily digestible the basic purpose is because digestive process takes around about 2 to 3 and a half hours to get fully activated and so your last meal and sleep should have at least justifiable to an hour to 3 hours so yeah. if you are taking meals at 10 pm 11 pm 12 pm it's going to do lots and lots of bad to you it's not going to do good to you that is mm. second principle one should remember third principle always have your meal on the table have a e free diet Mm. studies have shown a significant advantage of that you know our typical dietary pattern sandeep is what i'm looking into a laptop mm. here is my mobile like this i'm talking to my friend and i'm having a sandwich in my hand and i'm eating like this with a television going on in front like some kind of a cereal and the whole system i'm neither able to savor the food i'm neither able to enjoy the food take an aroma of food enjoy the food give 5 to 10 minutes of powerful vibrations and then enjoy that particular food this food will really act like an amrit for you like a nectar for you mm-hmm. very important have a e free diet you have 10 to 15 minutes at least for yourself this is what you are working for my dear friends even if you are having millions and millions 15 minutes is what i am telling you must have sit on the table and have your plate half full and then enjoy your diet mm-hmm. my fourth mantra to you very very important mantra to you is never eat directly from the packings never sometimes lying on a sofa sometimes we are having packaged material we'll pour our hand into this and we'll pick out some kind of chips or something like that or take a bite from a, a you know directly from the bowl no that is not important it's very important is to pour little amounts into your own plate and consume that particular amount and then enjoy and my fifth mantra very very powerful mantra which is very important is take out time to relax and enjoy have your meal with family don't have specific meals for specific people it is very very important it is very very important to eat together as a family it's been 40 years in my family my father is a gastroenterologist mother is a gynecologist sisters are entrepreneurs we all four connect together with each other and enjoy our meals together that is very important these simple principles are going to create wonders in your life magical wonders in your life use these principles and then there are various dietary patterns i can talk about hours and hours what are the advantages and disadvantages remember if you are following a particular dietary pattern it should always be supervised keto diets and all these diets have to be very very supervised please don't practice them use your everything eat everything in moderation burn out your calories enjoy this food is going is going is really to enjoy and give benefit to your body but over consumption is going to be really be harmful and last stop eating when your stomach is 50 to 75% full 
very important. Your stomach will start giving you signal. Oh, I'm full. But I can have two more or one more. That's fine. Tell it. Okay, now I'm stopping. Learn to say no. That's very important. The moment you stop, when your stomach is 50 to 60% off, you are good, you are perfect, you are fine. <laughs> nice, Dr. Well said. Yeah. And I think really important for people to hear. You know, you've done such a lovely thing that has put a lot of fears to rest. But yeah. before we wind up for today, uh, yeah. there's one thing which you spoke about, um, which is rest. <laughs> so how important <laughs> is rest? <laughs> So, yes, can you tell my listeners what your theory and your approach to rest is before we wind up today? <laughs> so, actually, it's not my theory. I'll talk about something which is very practical, you know. When we talk about rest, most of the people say that, uh, Mohit, you have been sleeping for four to five hours over the last almost 20 to 40 years. And how do you manage that? And my simple answer to them is there are two things in your life which you can increase as much as you want and you can decrease as much as you want. And the quantity is less important as compared to the quality. Quality is more important. One mm -hmm. is food we talked about. You can increase as much amount of food, yeah. but quality is more important. And similarly, the second thing is rest. You can sleep as much as you want, but more important is the quality of sleep. So on one hand, when I say definitely six to seven hours of sleep is good, Ask yourself that when I am sleeping, is my mind or thought process also sleeping? Mm. So I am going to give you a few messages that why important it is important is to have a good and a powerful sleep. Sleep is important because sleep hygiene says that after around about 9 to 10 to 11 p.m., your serotonin and the melatonin, which is the sleep hormone uh, chemical, it increases and releases in surplus amount. And that is the time that when around about 10 to 11, one should go off to sleep, you will have a very good and optimum quality of sleep. Now, what mm -hmm. we do is we keep on suppressing and overpowering this and we keep on keeping ourselves awake and sometimes go off to sleep at 12 and 1 a.m. without any particular reason watching television and that this terms of our sleep because we are programming our mind we are giving continuous input to our mind and our sleep is never going to be very comfortable using continuous using e-mobiles keeping the light on having stimulated drinks like caffeine like coffee listening to music something which is very disturbing watching television reading unnecessary literature which is truly not necessary all these things are giving you powerful input and direct programming to your subconscious mind. Remember, night and morning are two times when your brain, your conscious mind is in direct communication with subconscious mind. Whatever you give it to your conscious mind, it will get absorbed as a program and will start coming up as a dream, as a sleep. This is scientifically proven. So in night when you are going to sleep, take out an e-free time. Listen to us, read something which is really good, comforting to your mind. Listen to a very nice spiritual music. Talk mm. about good things. Sit in silence for 5 to 10 minutes. And that is what is going to program your mind. Write a gratitude journal. Program your day. Plan your day for next day. And you are going to create miracles. You are going to really have a fantastic and a terrific sleep. You are going to enjoy. That is very important. Mm -hmm. So these are simple sleep hygiene measures that one must do. Six to seven hours of sleep is perfect. And more important, when you are sleeping, it's equally important to program your mind also. Tell it that it needs rest. Sit in meditation. Sit in yoga. Create positive affirmations. Create powerful tools. Meditation. 
only for 15 minutes, you would be surprised by magnetoencephalogram. These studies have shown it completely realigns our left and right brain system. While left brain is a logical and an analytical system, our right brain is a passionate and a comforting, a loving system. When we meditate, they both align with each other. And when they're aligning with each other, they synchronize with each other our sleep pattern, our performance pattern, our memory power, our cognitive power, our ability to multitask, our ability to tolerate things, it becomes much, much, much more powerful. So what I do typically is when I sleep in night, I take five to 10 minutes of deep silence. I sit in silence. I revisit my old day, whole day and see that like an actor, my role for the day is over. Now let me detach, remove my old costume, old thoughts, grudges, negative feelings that I'm holding on continuously. Oh, this happened like this. He should not be doing like this. I clear off everything from my mind and start enjoying and existing as a wonderful human being. And then I go off to sleep in remembrance of the Almighty. And when I get up in the morning, I start my day at 3.15, 3.30 a.m. in the morning, typically every day. Start with meditation. No mobiles, no nothing, no media, nothing. I again reconnect with my own self and my supreme power and try to have that wonderful meditative energy to energize my mind with love, with joy, with happiness, with bliss, with knowledge, with purity and so much love. You know, this is what empowers me. 20 to 35 minutes of silence. Just imagine, just feel that energy. Just imagine how empowered you will be feeling. And then you go off and use whatever you want throughout the day you are going to have magic. So mantra is sleep for the body, but equally important is sleep for the mind. Check. <laughs> Check. What are you holding in your mind today? All of us, we have gathered immense materialistic wealth, but unfortunately, anger, irritation, hatred, jealousy, yeah. competition, <laughs> criticism, complain and comparison. These are the eight emotions with expectations that we all hold in our mind. And however you sleep, how long you are talking about good things, you can meditate, you can give great sermons, but until and unless as a being, we are free from these eight negative emotions which we are holding on, we are never going to have a comfortable life. My dear friends, the crux of the matter is that you have to create that change within your own self. Your outer world, the way you see others, is only a reflection of your own inner world. Absolutely. You see others as your own image. The way you want to see your own self, you start interpreting others in the same way. So it's very important that you meditate when you have a comfortable sleep. You relax your mind as well as your body comfortably. And you see, you generate abundant wealth, immense power. You become an, like a carrier of great positive aura, energy. And everybody who comes and entangles with you, irrespective of his positive and negative energy, is going to get loads and loads of blessings and energy from you. And your day will learn the way you want. This is my mantra for sleep. <laughs> well said, Doctor. And on that note, I think you've been such a kind um, person to share all your information. Yeah, you're, you, I know you have a very busy schedule. And I'm sure you're asked these 
questions and you're asked to solve people's problems over and over again. But it's very kind of you to take me through and take people listening through the step-by-step way to approach and look at their lives. Uh, so I really respect and appreciate that. And thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Sandeep. It's such a pleasure. What a wonderful journey it has been. And I must say that I've been really inspired by the way you have led your life and the wonderful shows and the messages that are being given through you to this particular platform, to the whole world. And I must end by saying only one thing to all of you that remember that today is going to be the first day of rest of your life. It's your choice how beautifully you create it. It's only your own conscious decision. Thank you. Thank you so much for this great opportunity. Thank you, Dr. Mohit Gupta. Really appreciate it. Take care. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you like what you heard, please do check out the other episodes on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. And I would much appreciate it if you could like the video, share it with people who you think might enjoy it. And of course, do subscribe to the channel because it will help me and the podcast grow and reach more people just like you. So thanks again. Appreciate it.